Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Disturbing the Hive. A look at the recent FBI takedown of the Hive ransomware variant. Next up, True Grit. Sharing some insights from the Grit 2022 ransom report. And our fun game, finally, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 146, recorded on Monday, January 30th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. What's a bee's favorite sport? Frisbee. LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor. Why can't ransomware operators just behave? Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, Tim. Bees! Helming. (laughs) Hello, everyone. To bees or not to bees? That's the question. I mean, I guess, boy, should we talk about the movie A Bee's Life? I've never seen that movie, <gasps> by the way. Is that, a, is that a travesty? It's probably not like at the same level as not seeing Mean Girls or Titanic, but is it, mm. is it really bad? Like, give me a perspective here. Well, is that any different from A Bug's Life? I don't know if I've heard of A Bee's Life. Oh, maybe there isn't a. There's some B. Oh no, is it? You're thinking of the B, B movie, the, the B Jerry movie. Seinfeld That's right. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yes. you're right. It was, <laughs> it was a Bug's Life, and it was a B movie. And I believe it's. I haven't seen that. Seinfeld's only movie. This is one and done. I'm going to do the B movie. This is all I have to offer. For cinema, there was some. There was something about. There was like some meme or something having to do with the script of the B movie. There's some like uh, buzz around it. Yeah, there was some. There was some buzz. <laughs> <laughs> the hive mind thought it was funny. The, I'm looking at the B movie poster, and the tagline is "Honey just got funny." Oh, <laughs> which feels that feels real. Like it's 4:45 p.m. We gotta get out of here. What should we put on the poster? <laughs> that every time I see a tagline that appears to have taken very little effort, it, it makes me think of the Jim Gaffigan bit about hot pockets. And um, they're like, Jim, in marketing, uh, can you come up with a jingle for Hot Pockets? And he's like, Hot Pockets. And he's like, perfect. Now what are we going to run in Mexico? Caliente Pockets. <laughs> 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 that's just how I feel things went for the B movie. Yeah. Just with less singing. Wow. Nothing stops <laughs> conversation like a Jim Gaffigan joke, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Stop dead. Is that a breaking badness first that we were just utterly frozen that way? Um, The first that won't be edited out. I can't tell you how many times I've had to edit out my own jokes. Uh, But now, Tim, you you hold all the power. So it's been and you've held it for a while. But let me tell you, I will never edit out your jokes. (laughs) Just the pause between the the fake laughter and the joke. (laughs) That's the most important gap. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's true that that people don't realize that the person who does the post-production can really engineer the comic timing to make it good or terrible. Yeah. And, you know, you can mess with other people's effectiveness. You could have the best joke in the world that had everybody in stitches immediately, but insert three seconds of silence before that happens. And suddenly it's courtesy (laughs) laughs. And recording remotely like this makes that tricky. Oh, (laughs) that's right. 
Yeah, That's I right. was just telling somebody about that who's starting a podcast. I was like, it's it's such an interesting thing to create podcast chemistry when you can't look each other in the eye. But for me, it's helpful because then it's hard to know when I've truly lost my dignity. Like y'all can hold that up for me if you want and just just pretend to throw your head back and laugh and I don't see the dead look in your eye, you know? <laughs> your dignity is intact. Don't worry. What people don't know is there was actually 20 seconds of dead space between when I said that. <laughs> See, that's the thing. They'll never actually They'll know. never oh my know. Gosh. It's all a lie. Oh, my gosh. Never. This behind is always so scenes. fun to do with y'all. Yeah, behind the scenes. Madness. That'd be a funny trailer. Just awkward staring at video. Be like, this is what really happens. <laughs> Breaking badness. Oh, gosh. We Before, could do a montage of awkward pauses. Oh, kind of like the John Cage piece, four minutes and 33 seconds. <laughs> you know what, Tim? I'm just waiting for the expense to pop up. Be like, what is what is this uh, this vendor here? And you'll be like, oh, that's uh, the cricket soundbite that I purchased. Um, <laughs> I think we'd make use out of it for the podcast. Just waiting for that to happen. Actually, that's a really good <laughs> idea. We should probably have a cricket sound effect. <laughs> what have I done, Tay? We need an effects board. Effects board. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, should we should we talk about the infosec stuff? The question oh, that infosec, infosec, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, disturbing the hive, as we've talked quite a bit here about beads, bees, beads. Maybe we can make friendship bracelets. I'd be up for that. Um, <laughs> breaking badness friendship bracelets. Actually, I'd love to make those and give them to our guests. That would be so lovely. They could have little. Like little malware icons on the beads. Maybe we could have some fun with that. Anyway, so a little charm bracelet. Um, but last week, the Department of Justice thwarted the Hive ransomware network in over $130 million in demands. And there's not there's not a more powerful word than thwart. It's so hard to say, but gosh darn, is it worth it? Thwart it. Um so, Taylor, really quickly, for those who don't know, can you talk about the Hive Ransomware Group and if they have any uh, typical TTPs, tools, tactics, techniques, excuse me, techniques, techniques, and procedures um, that we should know about? I guess if I have typical techni- techniques, typical tactics, techniques, and procedures, is that a triple I like techniques. techniques. I think techniques is a, is a good new word. They're the bee's knees, these techniques. Yeah, what techniques? Watch out, TTPs. We've cornered the market. Techniques. What techniques should our uh, audience be concerned about or, or knowledgeable about here? Sure. So uh, folks may, may know the, the Hive Syndicate uh, or ransomware affiliate gang. Uh, is They popped up in the summer of 21 and uh, were fond of hitting healthcare <laughs> victims in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and, you know, they picked up over a hundred million dollars in payouts from their victims. They were big, uh, uh, in terms of running with affiliates, uh, and then also doing kind of double, uh, like, like they will, they were big of publicly announcing their victims and then publishing their data for folks who did not pay the ransoms. And so for mm. TTPs, they were big on open RDP, on, uh, you know, abusing password reuse, um, you know, you name it, all the stuff that you would expect, um, from a group operating at this scale, uh, for this long. And who are the, 
primary targets for the hive. And I really feel like if there was like an infosec Star Wars, like the hive would be the Borg. Maybe it's just the the in front of like the Ohio State. Um, we are the hive. These are our <laughs> techniques. Uh, if it's Star Wars, it's got to be a wretched hive of scum and villainy. There you go. Um, yeah. Anyway. yeah, from a victimology perspective, <laughs> the hives all over the place. Uh, so, like the, you know, they targeted uh, financial orgs, retail, uh, healthcare. Like a few of the named victims: the Costa Rican Social Security Fund, Media Markt, uh, large German retail uh, memorial healthcare system, a small network of hospitals in Ohio, uh, huge Indonesian uh, energy provider, Bank of Zambia, Lake Charles Memorial Healthcare System. Uh, you know, you name it, they had basically 1500 victims across 80 countries starting in june of 2021 i like to think about you know if we if we went back to like medieval times and cybersecurity was somehow a concern but they hadn't like mastered the art of printing or the internet somehow which those those things it's hard to intersect those two things with one without the other but i just like to imagine somebody pulling out a scroll and and just reading what you did, like, oh, this institution, this institution, this institution. <laughs> and there's something so dramatic about a good de-scrolling, you know? Yeah, look, if they are able to uh, actually get some of these folks in front of a judge, maybe there will be a de-scrolling. Oh, <laughs> we should uh, make that request. Judges take requests, right? That's yes. kind of like their 100%. whole bit. They're known for, yeah, being very flexible, responsive and flexible. Yep. Mm. I mean, they're kind of like DJs, a little bit. You have to find out how that um, uh, lies with the Piano Bar Association. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, so the FBI made the takedown. Um, But were they working alone or were, you know, were they working with some other entities? Did they have some help here? Well, uh, this is a, a global threat, right? So this this group uh, operates uh, out of Eastern Europe and <laughs> beyond. And so uh, FBI partner with Europol, uh, German and Dutch law enforcement as a part of the takedown. Taylor, there's a lot that you say with your laughs, I will say. It's just <laughs> they're heavy yeah, you know, metadata. Metadata, uh, you know, I think for the like for the size and scope of what they did in terms of the takedown, they definitely had had help on this one. It was interesting. They're like, hey, we legally hacked them back, <laughs> which is uh, there's a lot um, uh, of work getting done in that sentence when they say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the FBI, they mentioned in their release that they shared the decryption keys with the targets how does that process work? For example, if my company or organization was a potential target for ransomware, but the FBI is telling me that they have a decryption key, is there a standard process? So I know it's actually the FBI and not some other um, scams, scams all the way down type of situation. We have a couple things here, right? So um, what's interesting about the takedown is that the FBI and law enforcement sat inside of the ransomware gang, a ransomware group, um, for uh, like basically what the last six or seven months. So they said they kind of gained access back in July of 22. So last summer, and they've been kind of hanging out behind the scenes, pulling decryption keys and then handing them over to victims. So if you're already working with the FBI and you're engaged with them, uh, then, you know, obviously that's a pretty easy lift uh, for 
for other folks. Um, you know, again, like, <laughs> like I'm sure the FBI has a way to prove who they are to folks, but also, you know, if you've got a decryption key and someone sends it over to you, you're probably going to give it a whirl, right? <laughs> um, uh, so like that's another way. And then they can see the, the victims from the inside, right? So if they were looking at the internal communications of this group, they kind of have an idea of, you know, who's getting targeted, who's, who's being victimized and, you know, what keys they can get for them. I was just about to make a Mean Girls reference, and then I realized who my audience was. <laughs> it's Tim. And it was too Well, painful. you're a co-conspirator, but your audience <laughs> probably would get it. <laughs> I'm going to keep it to myself until both of you have seen it. All right? That's just how it's The Justice Department claimed that they saved $130 million in ransom pay, which is crazy. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of bee honey right there, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so... I. I you know, now, you should a, know that the B movie made $297 million on release. So Jerry Seinfeld still beats the high ransomware game. <laughs> Just That's what they need. Know. Another challenge, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to, to really cap off this discussion, I mean, we're assuming that this is an ongoing case. So there likely aren't any details about how they were able to thwart this uh this group in a in a public forum but do you have any thoughts or perspective on how this might have occurred you, just tricky right it, you know because sometimes it, may, it could be as simple as like password reuse on part of an actor or it could be something as complex as hey they were able to roll up you know one individual here in the states or somewhere they've got jurisdiction um and then you know to flip a person in their level of access and then use that uh to sit and watch and wait and acquire more um so yeah there's a there's a lot right that <laughs> that, that whole sentence of we legally hacked back you know could could be uh kind of under that umbrella interesting do you expect that that will be referred to in public more this idea of of hacking back is that a trend you're expecting oh you know i think it's a tactic that that you know they've kind of been forced to take by these groups and their how prolific and public they are and you know how uh many levels they're willing to go in terms of affiliates and, and how broad their base of operations ends up being right we were talking like thousands of victims that's that's enormous um so, you know, you've got to take kind of extraordinary measures in the face of that in terms of what you're willing to do um, to get in on the inside there and get a fuller scope and, again, pull decryption keys. In this case, they were able to identify, uh, you know, the two backend servers that lived in Los Angeles of all places, uh, the hosting provider there, I'm sure, uh, you know, that were kind of powering the backends of stuff even on the, the dark web, as it were, uh, and, you know, able to kind of execute that takedown and pull all that stuff at once. Uh, so all the, the groups that were working with the Hive or all the affiliates had the rug pulled out from under them all at the same time on this one. But, you know, if they able get, get, ever get these folks in a courtroom in front of a judge, uh, then, you know, we'd have we'd get some level of detail about this. Interesting. Well, I think this is maybe a, a reasonable time with the limited information that we have at our fingertips to do our hoodie rating here, which is kind of a risk score, if you will, for folks listening or tuning in. And uh, it's from zero to 10. 10 is uh, the max 
number of hoodies that you can associate with it's, it's badness, basically 10 bad, zero neutral slash not good or bad. And um, we're playing off the cliche of hackers and hoodies. So, Tim, I'm going to start with you. What will you uh, what will you rate this at? Well, I'm not going to rate this as hoodies. This is a goodies type of story. We're Woo. back to our chocolate chip goodies. And uh, my chocolate chip goodies, by the way, it's Mexican chocolate. Just a reminder, there's a little bit of cinnamon in those chocolate chip goodies. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give this a five goodies. I think um, I think being able to disrupt one of the major ransomware networks uh, and potentially saving up to $130 million. I mean, that, you know, that's interesting because, like, I assume that was the demand, right? And some of those victims probably wouldn't have paid. Um, so, but in theory, uh, up to $130 million, that's not pocket change, uh, at least not for most of us. So, um, so there's a lot of goodness here. But at the same time, there's a lot of ransomware out there. And so... <laughs> You know, this is, it's more than a drop in the bucket. Uh, it's significant. It's substantial. But, you know, that old ransomware wheel's just going to keep on turning. Uh, so I'm. that's what puts me at five delicious chocolate chip goodies. You know, it's pocket change to Jerry Seinfeld. It's just yeah. one movie. True. That's a good point. But I, I, I'm, I'm not Jerry Seinfeld. Are either of you Jerry Seinfeld? Not today. No. First, no. Let me know if I no. ever am, though. It'd be good to... I'm more of a Larry David you know, fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Taylor, what's your rating here? Oh, it's like, you know, it is. That's a point well made there, uh, Tim, that this is one of those things where you like your the affiliates for this, the demand for this is not going anywhere. Right. So you've kind of taken off the head of a Hydra and there will be more heads to replace it. But it will have the impact of like, hey, maybe folks are going to be looking over the shoulder a little more. Maybe we'll see the, you know these folks be less public about, uh, you know, trying to bully folks into paying their ransomware, posting their data, that type of thing. Um, so maybe we'll see some changes there. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it six goodies. My goodies this week, uh, you know, in honor of, of the hive or in, <laughs> uh, to take off of the hive group here, it's going to be a honey walnut baklava. Uh, we're going to do oh. six, six of those, six of those. Delicious. Uh, Delicious. And, and, and this different. could, yeah, we're going to go up to, if we can actually get some of these folks into a courtroom, then, then we could go a lot higher. <laughs> wow. Baklava, like raising the stakes here at Breaking Badness. Well played, Taylor. Well played indeed. You have the most creative hoodie ratings. You're the, the one most apt to go non-integer. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is a cross. This is, that sounds like a personal attack when it's typically the three of us. Because Tim, you're the only other one that gives ratings. But I feel like across the entire um, spectrum of hoodie ratings, which I think is a big statement. There's probably at least a half dozen people that come on fairly frequently. So that's a that's a pretty high standing in the in the hoodie rating courts. Um, I like to explore the space. You do. <laughs> You really do. And I respect that. Excellent. Well, Taylor, thanks for going into that. Um, now, as my mouth waters thinking of baklava and um, I consider 
doing my time for mixing up Star Trek and Star Wars. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for a second article, True Grit. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, Breaking Badness listener, Tim here from the crew saying thanks for being with us. We hope you enjoy listening to the show as much as we enjoy making it. And if you do enjoy it, well, we hope you might consider doing us a 10 chocolate chip goodie favor and leave a rating and a review of Breaking Badness on your favorite podcast platform. Maybe even more importantly, tell a friend or two about the show. We would be much obliged. And now... On with the episode. When my sister and I were really little, there was a, uh, we were playing a game and I had a medical condition of some kind for which the prescription, according to her, was uh, to have some baklava stapled into my head. True that story. Seems, that seems like a... Hmm. That checks out. I would get a second opinion on that one, Tim. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we ever proceeded with that uh, that treatment. (laughs) Yeah, my sister is uh, she's got an unusual mind, and uh, it really it was really uh, apparent, especially when we were little. (laughs) (laughs) And she's a doctor now, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) An interesting mind. You know, Mm. I was chatting with my brother. Speaking of siblings, this week, and um, I'm hoping to bring an electrician in because there's there's a situation where we have a tub that has um, the sort of the spa-like jet system situation. But when we had our house inspected, they mentioned that they weren't confident it was grounded. So therefore, I do not feel confident putting electricity through water and then sitting in that water. And I I mentioned this to my brother and his response was, well, it's probably DC, not AC. So we're talking like 12 to 24 volts. And I'm like, you're comfortable with being electrocuted at 12 to 24 volts. He's like, a cat car battery. Have you never licked a battery? And I was like, (laughs) you know what? No, I can't say that I have in my lifetime chosen to lick a battery and we just all live under different threat models you know and and i when i heard worst case scenario 12 to 24 volt shock i thought i'm not comfortable with that well you know it's all about the current level and well it's not just about the current level is well let's have a digression on ohm's law shall we uh but you know when you get a static uh, static electricity you know cuz it's a dry day or whatever and you shuffled across the carpet or there was a balloon involved or something like that <laughs> that's thousands of volts did you know that no that little that little that little tiny spark that's thousands of volts but it's at such a low current level that it doesn't hurt you but now you know is there a, an electrician publication called the current because if not, I'm deeply upset. There certainly should be. I uh, let's let's assume that there is one, because you're right. What kind of a world even is this if there's not? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be pretty amped up to work at the current. It would be shocking. Oh, well, the, the, the answer would get you. 
All right. I can't think of a better uh, segue to True Grit, um, the thought of being electrocuted for some reason. So in this article (laughs) from Dark Reading, we'll take a look at a few findings on ransomware trends in the latest report from the GuidePoint Research and Intelligence Team. So, Tim, 2022, good year, good year for cyber criminals. And it seems like uh, there's a bit of a debate about what we'll see this year, 2023, in terms of ransomware. Some people say it's going to decline. Others say, no way, Jose. What say you? Yeah, I. it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> it's not going away. There's no question about that. Um, I... I think so. What made the news a lot around the end of the year, beginning of this year, was the story about how ransomware profits for 2022 were reported to have dropped by 40%, according to one widely cited uh, study uh, from Chainalysis. And uh, so that's pretty interesting. But um, and there's a number of factors that play into why that might be the case. But, you know, the the it that we're talking about, is it going to increase or decrease or whatever, is can take different forms because that was the that was a stat about the payments received on the blockchain by ransomware actors. But how many actual events are there? Is the number of events going down? Probably not. The number of uh, groups seems to be uh, on the rise, although, as we'll see, that's a little bit of a shell game that's going on as well. But long story short, no, I don't think it's really going to uh, reduce substantially in 2023. I, I don't th- I don't see these folks like picking up their toys and going home. <laughs> picking up could their they toys. Could, could, could they? That'd be great if they did. <laughs> I, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, I think as much as we'd like to believe otherwise and say that crime doesn't pay, there's some evidence that crime does pay. Now, don't take that the wrong way, listeners. Don't go out there and start criming. No. Taylor, for your no. birthday, that's what you have to think before you blow out the candles. You ransomware actors, you just take your toys and leave. Just leave. Just, just go home. leave. No one wants you here. <laughs> Doesn't even go here. Oh, think about your life choices and come back and do nicer things. <laughs> right? We could use your help on the other side. Instead of defacing websites, break in and fix them up, you know? Face them. Update people's fonts for them. <laughs> All um wingdings or sans. comic sans, I was gonna say. <laughs> um <laughs> Tim moving on. This this article from Dark Reading also covers the GuidePoint Research and Intelligence Team, a.k.a. GRIT, their 2022 ransomware report, where they felt also, where they also feel like ransomware won't slow down as much as people think. For our listeners, what is GRIT and the history of this report? That would be helpful to share. Yeah, sure. So uh, as you say, it comes from GuidePoint and GuidePoint as they say themselves, if you go look at their website, is more than a VAR or value-added reseller. Um, they're a big uh, consultancy and services provider and and reseller of uh, security technology and so forth. And so part of the services that they offer 
to not just their own customers, but to the community at large is doing some of this uh, research. And as we've seen at Domain Tools, of course, doing research on what's going on out there in cybercrime land is a useful thing to do and an interesting thing to do. So uh, I am not sure how many years running they've been doing these reports, but uh, but yeah, they, they went into some depth here. And so I thought it was an interesting report. I hope folks will look at the uh, show notes and then follow the links and and see the actual the dark reading article and or the uh, the original report from GuidePoint themselves. And Tim, one of the findings from Grit was organizing ransomware groups into four distinct buckets. Um, can you talk a little bit about that taxonomy? Yeah. So, um, and this, I think everybody that is paying attention to ransomware and cybercrime kind of generally understands that it's hard to keep track of everything that's going on um, because there are so many different groups. The groups use different kinds of malware variants and then you add in as a service and affiliates and all that. It gets extremely complicated. So things that can help build a mental model to organize this stuff are useful. And the buckets that these folks um, defined here were full-time, rebrands, splinter, and ephemeral. And, you know, those names are are pretty good. Like those are fairly self-explanatory. Full-time, if you think about a full-time uh, group. So Lockbit would be a really good example there. And by the way, um, they, depending on your source, they are responsible for somewhere around a third of all of the uh, attacks in 2022. So, um they're a full-timer, uh, rebrands. That's one of the big stories, right? Is how we hear, well, when Conti shut down, um, they just rebranded. Of course, they, they weren't really picking up their toys and going home and rethinking their life choices. No, they were just trying to, you know, evade detection and operate in a different way. And so, uh, so you have these rebrands that are constantly going. And by the way, I don't think anybody has really put out a uh, an infographic that tracks all of the rebrands like successfully over time. This one rebranded, you know, Conti dissolved and rebranded into these other ones and so on and so forth. That'd be nice. Maybe we should create that, but I don't think that exists. Then the splinter ones are the smaller uh, ransomware groups that have split off from some of the larger ones. And then the ephemeral ones are ones that just have... Uh, cropped up seemingly out of nowhere and have enough of an impact to get noticed uh, by folks that are studying this. But anyway, um, it's it's a useful way to think about it as a researcher or as a consumer of research. If you're in a sock, that's mm, maybe almost a distraction, but it, there is some value in it. And, um, you know, we can talk about that a little more as we go through uh, what this report was talking about, but anyway, I thought these I thought these four buckets were a useful way to describe uh, how the groups have uh, are are organized. Yeah, Tim. And speaking of these buckets, I was particularly interested in the rebranding element. So, does rebranding really make it that much more difficult to pinpoint who is carrying out malicious behavior? I'm interested in what both Grit reported. And for your own perspective on that as well. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this and I was 
having a mental debate about whether the rebranding is is makes your life harder or not. Um, because in some ways, if you think about it, if you're in the sock and you're just trying to protect your environment, it's not like you can just <laughs> create firewall rules that are based on the names of all the ransomware groups. Say, oh, okay, Conti rule, check, that's in place. Good. Uh, Lockbit, check, that's in place. Now I'm fine. Uh, you can That'd be nice, but you can't really do that, right? And so if you are... Um, trying to protect your users, protect your environment, keep an eye on what's going on in all your different traffic flows and so forth. Um, on a day-to-day basis, knowing which group it is that is responsible for something that you're seeing may or may not be critically important. And by the way, a lot of times, you know, if you actually have gotten hit and you have files being encrypted, well, the, the nice little encryption screen will probably tell you who it is or what they're calling themselves anyway that uh, locked up your data. So um, from, the, from the SOC analyst or hunter, et cetera, point of view, I don't know that it matters that much um, in terms of changing how you would do your job. From a research perspective, it's a little bit different. If you're in the business of, tracking these groups and studying them and writing about them in an effort to ultimately expose their TTPs and make it easier to defend against them, then it is harder um, when they kind of go underground and act like a hydra and, you know, re-sprout new new limbs off of the (laughs) severed pieces of the old ones and so forth. Um, That does make it a little bit harder to deal with. Uh, Fortunately, there are folks out there like the GRIT group that are um, and our favorite ransomware sommelier and and others like that, that are doing a great job of staying on top of this stuff almost as fast as it happens, um, certainly quite quickly. Um, But yeah, so so does it matter that it's a little bit harder to tell who it is that you're dealing with? I, I think it really depends on what your role is. Great points, Tim, especially on the t- block by <laughs> variable name of ransomware group. Um, <laughs> if only that's how easy it was. <laughs> yeah, there um, were a lot of good insights in that in that article uh, around like, hey, the, you know, a long time ago, when you negotiate with a certain group, you're negotiating with the same person over and over again. And now it's just splintered all the affiliates. Uh, you could be dealing with a different person in every engagement. That's that very in- interesting. Well, that yeah, that's another uh, that's another good point. Like, if you're a ransomware negotiator, um, then it is kind of important because it's going to help your negotiation tactics if you know, okay, this personality was responsive to this kind of tactic or whatever, and um, I kind of know what my approach is going to be based on who it is that I'm dealing with. So, so yeah, for that, that's a great example of one of the roles for whom it is kind of tricky uh, not to know who it is that you're dealing with. But from a, a network IOC's perspective, you know, in that case, it, it probably doesn't matter as much. Hmm. Very interesting. And Taylor, you had mentioned that there are several really helping findings in Tim. I know you had doubled down on like, go click this link. Um <laughs> Joy sounds nefarious, but I promise yes. that there's only value Just behind this link. this link. It'll be fine. Just, you know, go direct to their website if you must. It's worth it. Um, but there, there are several more findings, and we'd all encourage folks to go check out the entire report, as well as the summary and dark reading. 
Uh, but just for the sake of time, let's talk about one more finding, which is, can you trust that these cyber criminals will come through once the money hits, according to this this particular report? Yeah, so this is interesting, right? And this one, I have a little bit different perspective than maybe the author of the article or the person who was, who was um, cited from GRIT in the dark reading article in that. And again, it comes down to your role. So if you are a ransomware negotiator, then um, your perspective is going to be, you know, the better you are at your job, the more often the payment succeeds if payment is what is negotiated or, you know, maybe you somehow manage to negotiate out of paying and still get the, uh, the files decrypted and not posted to the dark web and so forth. That would be amazing. Probably doesn't work quite like that all that often. But uh, the point here is um, there are, there's, it's far from guaranteed that they are going to come through for you if you pay the ransom. And so um, it's, this is just one of the reasons why not paying is still probably the predominant advice out there. And, you know, you see uh, cyber insurance companies uh, limiting or removing payments altogether. You see laws that make it illegal to pay ransomware groups and all of that. So um, that's a little bit separate from the question of if you do pay, are they going to come across? But, you know, somewhere between a quarter and a third, at least, it sounds like, of cases where the ransom is paid, uh, you find that they actually do not receive the decryption or maybe that the files go on and, and do get posted anyway, despite the payment having been received. And not only that, um, if you do pay, you become, then there's, there's a lot of research to support this, that uh, if you do pay, you become much more likely to be targeted over and over again, more aggressively. Now, you know, hopefully if you did get hit, once um, your defenses have become better as a result of that, and you're uh, going to be more on the lookout and, and perhaps less vulnerable to those repeated attacks in the future, but um, but it's certainly a risk. So anyway, I you know there is Taylor is fond of saying there's no honor among thieves, and the article actually uses that quote also. But the the person cited says, well, there's some honor among thieves, and so there is you know, a decent chance that you are going to get your stuff back if you pay. I personally would certainly not count on that. Um, and I'd be, if I were in that position, which I hope I never am, this is why I'm not a CISO. I'm just a, you know, <laughs> I'm just a guy here talking about security. Um, but I think, uh, I think the, the relatively high risk of not getting your stuff back or um, if you do pay, is just another really important uh, factor in the don't pay column. Boy, that was rambling. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's a complicated, a complicated subject. Um, and I know we're, we've had so much to talk about on this episode. So we'll, we'll drive forward towards our hoodie rating here. And I think when we consider the hoodie rating, let's think about, uh, comparing 2022 to this current year, like, do, do we, 
is our kind of risk assessment is our risk increasing is it decreasing is it staying about the same based on the kind of the grit delivered research and information here how about we approach it that way taylor why don't you start us off here so this is out of what now Oh, still 10. Zero to was 10. Was that 10? But is this goodies, hoodies? Like, you know, it is. You let me know. That's okay. up to you. If you feel like things are getting better, you hit that goodies, warm cookies, yeah. baklava situation. <laughs> no, I, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, it's the old Russian proverb and proverb, and then things got worse uh, applies. No, we can we can cut that. <laughs> uh, no, I I do think that uh, you know we will. I think we'll see an increase if we look back from twenty two to twenty three. Uh, you know, I think that it's a combination of times getting tougher in the market. Uh, you know, folks find themselves uh, with more time on their hands, uh, and you know, potentially turning that into to more victims. Um, and kind of the ever advancing capabilities of our chat overlords that are going to make it easier to fish, uh, anyone and everything continually. So we'll go. So what does that translate to in actual hoodies? Yeah. Yes. Open your five star notebook. Look in the back. Um, Mm -hmm. and there, they should have a translation there. It should be a simple conversion table. table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. Uh, 6.23. 6.23. Wow. Is that mental (laughs) math? That was really good. Yeah. That was nice. Um, got props to those five star notebooks. They really have all the answers in them. They do. Um, Tim, how about you? What would you say here? I put this in the, the large perspective of all the stuff we have to worry about in 23 in addition to you know the potential increase decrease stasis whatever it is of ransomware compared to 2022 and in the grand scheme of things there's plenty of stuff to freak out about so i'm only going to give four hoodies to this particular thing to freak out about um and this is my Reminder, my regular reminder that phishing still outpaces ransomware. So, you know, of course, that's hard to disambiguate because a lot of ransomware, the initial incursion vector is through a fish, but just plain old phishing by itself still seems to be the leader in terms of causing uh, financial losses. So keeping it in perspective, folks, I'm going to say four hoodies for this one. Four Hoodies. I'd like for uh, you to create a Jira board of your your freak out Jira board um, <laughs> with prioritized. And I know phishing and BEC would be very much towards the top there of what keeps you up at night. Um, but important context, right? This is happening amongst many other things um, that we're, we're trying not to <laughs> fall victim to, if you will. All right. Well, thank you, Tim, for digging in. Thanks to, to Guy Point and Grit, Guy yeah. Point, which is great, um, to delivering that really helpful piece of research. Definitely go check it out. Um, and you should be able to read it here in our few seconds break. So just go ahead and give it a, a, a skim at 5X, and we'll be right back for our game, Two Truths and a Lie. I'm going to do my best. 
Let's see if I can do my best 3x intro. That's now I so want to slow that down. <laughs> yeah. Just be complete and utter nonsense. <laughs> like that. that was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I missed I missed some of the important articulated points. So if you slow that down, it, it really is going to yeah. sound like a Wookiee falling down stairs. I fear. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, well let's <laughs> let's do our game two truths and a lie. Which, uh, if folks need a reminder of how we play this, rather than talking about ourselves, one of the co-hosts shares three headlines, and two of which are things that have actually happened um, in recent times, and one is is a lie or a premonition. Um, <laughs> sometimes we don't know. And Taylor is actually up this week. Yeah, I sure am. And this week, uh, I, we're going to try something a little different. I've actually got three lies and one truth, uh, and the my... my co-hosts here will <laughs> know we use chat gpt to generate the the lies uh and so a little back and forth with the, our chat ai overlords to get some of these uh and i'll kick it off so our first headline this week uh wave specter the new windows malware targeting the healthcare industry with audio-based data exfiltration Headline number two, vulnerabilities in open EMR healthcare software expose patient data. Headline number three, active exploitation alert, critical vulnerability found in Telnet client, urgent upgrade needed for network administrators. Headline number four, cyber espionage, Norgard APT accused of targeting the gold reserves of Australia via phishing attacks. Okay, first of all, I'm going to say regarding whichever headline that was that Telnet is a security vulnerability. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's just, yeah, but that's, that's good. So you're saying there's only one truth in there, right? There's one truth in there. (laughs) The fact that we double checked that I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. This is going to be a one in three shot. On my end, we'll we'll see if I should take this show to Vegas or not. I'm gonna assume probably not. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about you read them one more time? Yeah, for sure, I will do that. Okay, first one: Wave Specter, the new Windows malware targeting the healthcare industry with audio-based data exfiltration. Number two: Vulnerabilities in open EMR healthcare software expose patient data. Number three, active exploitation alert, critical vulnerability found in Telnet client, urgent upgrade needed for network administrators. And number four, cyber espionage, Norgard APT, accused of targeting the gold reserves of Australia via phishing attacks. Oh, you've got four in there, Taylor. I put four, yeah. Three of those are lies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's see, everybody's changing the rules now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go B, number two. Is the lie. Which one was was number two? Uh, vulnerabilities in open EMR healthcare software expose patient data. Wait, you're saying that's the lie, Kelsey? Because I thought he was saying three of them are lies. and one Three of them, of them are lies. Son of a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, you go. Apparently, I need to like put another cup Actually, of coffee in an IV here. I'm going to go with B. Um, as the truth, 
That's the, the healthcare records one, right? The, yes. Uh, I'm going with the healthcare records one. Okay. I mean, I think that's always true. Uh, whether <laughs> you picked it picked it out as the one of the lies or chat GPT, chat APT, as our friends at Quadrant put it, I, I think that's much better. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Oh, heck, I'm going to do the same. <laughs> Yep, that, that's the real one. That is the actual. <laughs> but I was very, I thought coming up with Wave Spectre and audio based, I didn't tell it that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Wave Spectre. Was like, uh, I said, like, hey, you know, give it a unique feature and a unique name. <laughs> and I came up with that. Oh my God. The reason I suspected that one, first of all, because I don't recall seeing anything alluding to it and I would think that would get some attention uh-huh. if that was real but also was that I could see chat GPT going okay well Spectre, Heartbleed, etc those are names of vulnerabilities cool let's just attach the word wave to that and everybody will believe that this is a, a new different vulnerability. I think that if there were a audio based uh, malware um, that was exfiltrating data that way, it would have a different name that would not necessarily have Spectre in it. <laughs> Maybe it would. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well done, though. That was fun. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, ChatGPT is just all the rage with the kids these days. Um, <laughs> Taylor, thanks for running that. Sorry, my mind was gush. Um, you down with GPT. You down with GPT. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, y'all, for another great week. And um, I believe we'll be back next week for yet another episode of Breaking Badness. And I, I just can't wait. It's hey, gonna be let's lovely. just keep doing this. I think we should. Oh, I think we should. Good idea. <laughs> All righty, folks. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time on That's Breaking it. Badness. Bye, y'all. TTYL. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.